0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always so encouraged to hear when God is working in your life. If the messages of Life Church have touched you in some way, please share that with us through email at stories@lifechurchwi.com. At the message you are about to hear is part of our series entitled Skinny Jeans. This is a series all about uncomfortable teachings of Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy. Put your makeup on, get your nails done, curl your hair, run the extra mile, keep it slim. So they like you, do they like you, you don't have to try. is not right, is it? Can y'all give Chris's in the back, can you give Chris a big hand? I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, it's great to see you today, and I just want to let you know that Chris and I are going to be beating a few staff members up after the service. We're going to start with Nando, the worship leader, and then we're going to work our way up to Kevin Miller, because they all wear skinny jeans. Chris and I are in Huskies, so I think the Huskies can beat the Skinnies, yeah, you got it? Yeah great to see you guys today. And uh, and I'm glad that you're here at the beginning of this series. And uh, we're talking today about, in this entire series, about the uncomfortable teachings of Jesus. Jesus says some things that are very uncomfortable. And he, they were uncomfortable in the first century, they are uncomfortable in the 21st century. He said some things, it's like, does that really what he meant? I mean, do, do I take that literally, and what does that mean? How do I flesh that out? And so today we're talking about his claim that he is the only way to God. And a landscape, in a time, in a day and age where there are many roads that lead to God, or so we're told, Um, we're just going to have a conversation about this. So I want to begin today, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn me to John's Gospel, chapter 8, John chapter 8, then I'm going to go to John 14. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen, no worries. But John chapter 8, Jesus makes a statement. I'm going to read two statements that he makes, and then I'm going to read a a statement from a noted author uh, about this subject. John chapter 8, verse 31, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus establishes that truth can be attained, truth can be known, that there is truth out there. second statement that Jesus makes is recorded in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. Their exclusive statement. C.S. Lewis, the, the noted author, about 1900 years later, made this statement. Speaking of Jesus, he is either Lord, he is who he says that he is, he's lunatic, or he's a liar. There's one, three categories that Jesus and these statements that he's giving. He's either Lord, he is the Son of God, he is deity. He is God in flesh. He's a crazy, deranged man that's roaming the planet, or he's just a liar, just a big, fat liar. So how many of you were taught as growing up that there was a Santa Claus? Just a couple of you? Oh, thank you. Don't, don't lie in church. You'll go to hell for that, right? Um, straight to hell. Like we, have a, we have an exit right here. That, no, I'm just teasing. Um, how many of you were taught that, that, that the tooth fairy, about the tooth fairy, right? You had a tooth fairy, right? Some of you are like, no, sorry. Sorry, you're still trying to get that money back. How about the Easter bunny? Anybody, Easter bunny? All right, I, and, and you can go, I don't believe in Easter bunny. Look, I believe in anything that brings me candy. <laughs> Remember, I wear huskies. I'm just telling you. Now, as you grow up, you realize there's no such thing as Santa Claus. There's no such thing as the tooth fairy. I still believe in the Easter bunny because my wife has me an Easter basket every year. Anybody else love Peeps? Woo, Cadbury eggs. Chocolate covered marshmallows. I'm so hungry right now. Thank you. I see that hand. Um, And as you get older, you realize that there are some of these things that, "Yeah, yeah, that doesn't exist. But what happens as adults is there are other things that we were taught as children that we began to kind of push back on. So, Think, for instance, we are raised, for most of you, you're raised in Western culture, America. Um, and so we have values that we believe in God and Jesus Christ and the virgin birth and all these things. But what if you were born in Thailand, where most of the families there are Buddhist? What if you were born in northern Africa and Sudan, where most of the population is Muslim? What if you were born in Western Europe where God is dead and it's more of an atheistic agnostic approach at best? What if you were born somewhere else? What if you were born and, and, and you believe this? So believing in God, is that enough? Believing in God, a higher power, a deity, be it, be it uh, you know, Islam through Muhammad, Jesus to God through Christianity. Jesus doesn't exist through Judaism. Mormons where they believe Jesus is a part of the equation, but he's not the only way. There's more to it. Jehovah Witness that really don't I mean, what do you believe? And and you can push back and go, well, Aaron, here's the reality. What what's real and what's not real? I mean, if someone doesn't have a gospel witness about Jesus, are they going to go to hell? If someone's born in a a culture where they don't believe in the same Jesus that we believe in, are they going to go to hell? Are you telling me that if I don't believe exactly in the Bible that you believe in and the God that you believe in through Jesus Christ, I'm going to go to hell? See, it makes people wonder if anything is really true. It it leads them to reject the notion of absolute truth. And it adds to embrace the notion that all truth is relative, relativism. It's a term that your children are taught at school. It's a basis for secular uh, communication and teaching. It's it's part of every every college course uh, in a secular university setting. In other words, what might be true for you may not necessarily be true for someone else truth is relative it is not absolute is what they would say spiritually speaking i can believe that christianity is true and you can believe that that god exists through buddha and so you're a buddhist and i'm a christian and we're both going to heaven they're both equal values we're both right that's relativism so why do people reject this notion of absolute truth Why do they do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. I can just think off the top of my head. They they feel the absolute truth is too hard, if not impossible, to find. Just everybody's claiming to have truth, Aaron, who really has the truth, quote-unquote. You say you have truth. The guy at the synagogue says he has truth. The guy at the mosque says he has truth. The the, the college professor in, in Western Civ 101 says there is no God. And everybody's truth seems to be a little bit different. I talk to this one Christian and they view it this way. And this one Christian views it this way. And this one Christian views part of the Bible as, as being God's word, and, but not this part of the Bible. And I mean, even look at Christianity today in America. I mean, it's like Baskin Robbins. There's 31 flavors. I mean, you just, you pick it. There's these different denominations and these different things. And so they all believe the same things. And what do they believe and how do they believe? And after all, really, who do you choose? The Dalai Lama, Buddha, Jesus, a socialistic mindset like Karl Marx, who do I choose? Another reason why people reject the notion of absolute truth is there's just too many charlatans. There's too many charlatans. There's just too many scam artists out there. There's people that are trying to exploit people's desires to learn the truth. They're just trying to get their money and spend their money on phony cure-alls and they're just trying to do this. Another reason it's just easier to believe in relativism because there's no accountability to a standard. I don't have to be accountable to a standard. If, if what you believe is truth for you and what I believe is truth for me, then I don't, you don't really hold me to any standard and I don't necessarily have to hold you to a standard. So everybody can just go do what they want. We can do what's right in our own eyes. It's called anarchy, it's just a thought, but that's where relativistic thinking and ideology leads to. In essence, if my lifestyle fits my personal definition of truth, then it's okay for me even if you think it's wrong. This is the world in which we live. This is the landscape in which you go to the marketplace every day. This is the landscape in which your kids are educated in. Oh, no, not my kids. My kids go to private Christian school. I'm glad for that. Awesome, have nothing against private Christian school. My kids are homeschooled because of that. Great, that's awesome. But I'm telling you, at some point, they're going to enter the secular marketplace and they're going to interact with people that are gonna shoot their beliefs apart. And if they don't know what they believe and why they believe it and how they believe it, those kids will be amiss. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Only 21% of high school graduating seniors this year in evangelical churches across the country will stay in a local church. 79% of high school graduating seniors from local churches just like this, we'll leave the church and many of them will never come back. Parochial schools, Christian schools, good upper Midwestern values, they don't know how to defend their faith. They don't know how to articulate what they believe. They don't even understand it because it's been packaged and given to them instead of taught, processed. So relativism and absolute truth, I think this is the conversation. This is the place where this Jesus says he's the only way where it really comes to bear in our world. Now, I just want to stop here really quick and say there's multiple types of people in this room. There are some of you that are here and you are staunch Christ followers. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to make some statements today. I'm getting somewhere. Just don't judge me till the end. Secondly, there's some of you here that you're right in the middle of a very secular mindset, be it you're in high school, you're in college, you're, 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 your absolute belief system is being challenged. I think you're gonna to find today really valuable. Some of you have been lulled to sleep by a secular humanistic ideology that is constantly there like a dripping sink faucet. And today is gonna to be something that's gonna sound an alarm on you for you to at least respond. And I realize too, and I love this, that there are some of you here today, you don't know Christ at all. Matter of fact, you may be completely opposed to what I'm about to say. And I want to say to you, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. I want you to understand a couple things. Number one, you don't have to agree with me. Number two, you don't even have to like me. Um, but all I ask in these next few minutes is that you will give me the same amount of tolerance and open-mindedness that you would wish any Christian would give your point of view. I only ask for what you would want to ask of me if you were standing here. So let's talk about relativism. Relativism is your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and they all exist equally. And and what's the big deal with this? Well, if truth is relative, then all spiritual truth is valid. This means that all religions and philosophies will carry the same weight. This means that Christianity is no better than Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, Jehovah Witness, Mormonism, or atheism, or any other ism. This sounds really nice on the surface. I mean, can't we all get along? I mean, can't can't everybody just have their own faith and their own philosophy, and can't we just all do this? Well, let me give you an example. Jesus claimed to be the only way, the truth, and life, and Islam also claims that Christianity is false. How can they both be true? They cannot be true for some and not for others. They make claims of exclusivity. Jesus did not qualify his remarks by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life for first century Palestinian Jews and Western Europeans. He claimed to be the only way for everybody at every time, anywhere. Islam claims that Israel should be destroyed that pacifism would reject that, but which is right? And why is it right? Why should I listen to your religious philosophy if mine is just as valid? Even if mine means that I have a moral freedom and maybe even a moral obligation to kill you and to kill others in the name of my religion and my philosophy. You cannot have mutually exclusive viewpoints where both are held as true. One is right, one is wrong. So when people say, hey, you know, Aaron, uh, all spiritual truth is valid. So because it's all valid, then it's all right. No, because this group says that they're wrong, and this group says that they're wrong, and this group says they're right, and this group says they're right. Who's right and who's wrong? We all understand at the end of time. We'll, we'll all get the full picture. It's called Armageddon. I didn't write the book. John the Revelator transcribed it from Christ, from God himself on the Isle of Patmos when he talks about That God will have his fill and he will come and establish exactly what he says. There will come a day that there will be a man in a cloud with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. And he will harvest the earth and the end shall come. Hollywood's not too far off from all of this. Noted author, Rabbi Zacharias says, Anyone who claims that all religions are the same betrays not only an ignorance of all religions, but also a caricature view of even the best known ones. Every religion at its core is exclusive, including Christianity. Secondly, if truth is relative, then persuasion is not allowed, for tolerance is king. Let's talk about this word tolerance, shall we? People are proud of their tolerance today. People people value their tolerance today. People display their tolerance today, and, and they even get angry with the perceived attitude of judgment in others. The problem is, if you are as tolerant as you claim to be, then you have no right to judge my position as being invalid, even if you disagree. Christianity then, therefore, must be accepted by you as a valid viewpoint if you're going to be consistent with your observation of tolerance. Woo, I'm telling you, if I had a black choir in a hand, we had have some church up in here. Right, listen, we live in a day and age where everything else is accepted except for Christianity. Everything else is okay to say except for this book. In the country that you live in, in the country in which you reside in, in the country in which you pay taxes. I'm not running for office and I'm gonna ensure it by this message. I'm just telling you. If you claim to be tolerant, you've got to examine yourself and see if you're tolerant to all views, even if they don't agree with your own. That's what tolerance means. It doesn't mean that I have to put up with your mess. It doesn't mean that I have to believe what you believe. It doesn't mean I have to accept everything you do. And it doesn't mean you can bring your junk in front of me and display it and a haughty, contrite spirit and try to push it down my throat. Thank you very much. And that's for evangelical Christians as well. Remember, church, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance, not his judgment. He is just, and he is a judge, and he's righteous. But oh, thank God for amazing grace. Amen? Amen. For I was yet a sinner. That's when Christ died for me. And dead in my sins, that's when Christ died for me. Listen, I'm just telling you, I'm as jacked up as jacked up gets. There's nobody that has any more jacked upness That's a word I just invented and coined right there. Tweet that out. There's no one has any more jacked upness than I do. I'm thankful for the grace of Jesus. For it's by grace that I've been saved and through faith and that not of myself is a gift of God, lest I would become haughty or boastful. So I'm not saying that we should become proud and arrogant and try to cram our religious right down people's throats. But I am saying for those that don't, view Christianity as a valid viewpoint, you must be as tolerant, if you're going to believe in relativism and hold that as an ideology in which you live life by, you must be as tolerant as my beliefs and my acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and as a true and the only way as anybody else is. Nobody else is yelling at the, at, at the Muslims for claiming that, uh, that that Muhammad is the only way to Allah. Why? Because it's not politically correct. This is should be honest. We feel that It enrages us, but we don't want to do it because it's not politically correct. If truth is relative, then there's no moral absolutes. Jesus is in essence a liar, according to John chapter 8, where he says that if you find me, you find truth. The unusual context of this is that no one can make moral judgments on anyone else's lifestyle. First of all, let me say this. Everybody in this room makes judgments, moral judgments on other people. You came in today and you're like, man, I cannot believe she is wearing that outfit. That's a moral judgment. I can't. Do you see what she did to her hair? I cannot believe she, she thinks it looks good. Just don't even look. Don't, oh, Jesus, help her. See the car they're driving? Mm. You know what I heard about their kids? Did you hear they had to file bankruptcy and they're going to lose that big house they've been bragging about? Those are moral judgments that we place on other people. You cannot make any type of moral claims or judgments if you do not believe there's absolute truth. Why? Because I might judge something wrong and you might judge something that's right. And they're both moral judgments based on perceived moral absolutes. Yours that's being morally wrong is to condemn someone else's moral choices. It's a self-refuting theory. If there are no moral absolutes, then Hitler, the 9-11 terrorist, racism, rape are all okay. Why? Because without absolutes, you cannot condemn anyone else's actions as being wrong. Yet I have never found someone who holds the ideology of relativism, who claims to be a racist or that the racist is right or that rape is allowable, even though it follows in someone else's code. Why? Because there's something inside of us that tells us it is wrong it's wrong. Well, who are you to tell me that's wrong? Who died and made you God to say it's wrong? Why can't one person behead another person and send it to the news media outlets in the name of Allah? Why is that wrong? Why is it wrong for you to say that Jesus Christ is the only way? Why is it wrong for you to say that I'm not right? Why is it wrong? There's no moral absolutes. Nobody's wrong, folks. I tell you right now, we could save ourselves a whole lot of money and heartache. We could shut down the criminal justice system. We could shut down the penal system. We could save billions of dollars in America alone and quit judging people. Why do we have laws? There's no moral absolutes. So if truth is relative, there's no spiritual absolutes. There's no persuasion that's allowed. Tolerance is king. And there are no moral absolutes. Okay, well, let's just say for a minute that there is absolute truth. If truth is absolute, then it can be found. If truth is absolute, then it can be found. If Jesus, let's just work with me for a minute, is right, and that those who find him find truth, then truth may be difficult to find, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. Well, what is truth? Well, truth, by definition, must basically meet three standards. It must be objective, which means it has to be true for all people. Secondly, it has to be universal, which means it has to be true in all places. And thirdly, it has to be consistent. It has to be true for all times. So for something to be true, it's got to be true for all people, in all places, and at all times. If you're not willing to come to standards like these, then I would say that you're not seeking truth but rather a justification for your rejection of the truth. Seeking truth and hoping to possess it someday is not arrogance, but rather an admission that you don't know everything. I don't know everything. But that I would like to someday know the truth about some things. So where can absolute truth be found? Well, for me, as a follower of Jesus Christ, in this book called the Bible, Scripture, I believe that this book is infallible, inspired, and inerrant. What does that mean? Infallible, which means it has no, has no ability to fail. It will always produce. It will always work. It's true for all people at all times and all places. It's inerrant, which means it contains no error, which means that there's no contradiction within here. You can take anything out of context, but within the whole canon of Scripture from Genesis all the way to the maps in the back of the book, it's, it all works congruently together. And that it is inspired, that it is indeed the words of God. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. Even some theologians, even some pastors, even some denominations. I had a class that I'm taking on a graduate level where the professor who was an astute um, PhD in Old Testament history and lit to basically defined the old Testament as being one that was just simply a, how did he put it? Used for historical value. I lifted my hand. I had to sit in the class for six hours, Thought I'm going to have some fun because I vehemently disagree with him. Dr. So-and-so if the old Testament is only valid and only good for us, for historical value, then what, what good is it? If, if, if it's not really, if, if it's not what Paul said to Timothy, that the word of God, all the word of God is, is usable for, for reproof and, and, re, and rebuke and, 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 and for teaching and for training, then what good is it? So if you say, man, I don't believe in the Bible. Well, in your search for truth, let me ask you a question. What do you believe? What's going to be your authority for life? My authority for life is this book. I lean so heavily on this book that if it were to move, I would fall. If you want to know what I think about a subject, go to this book. And don't look at some secular interpretation of this book, but go to what it says. You, you mean to tell me that you're an educated individual? That's debatable. Do I have degrees? Yeah. And you mean to tell me that you believe that God created the heavens and earth in seven days? Yeah, he's God. Do you want to serve a God that you can figure everything out? I mean, really, if if we are finite, limited creation, and we can do and understand everything about the creator, how magnificent is that? Pardon the phrase, but how much fun is that? Oh no, the God that I serve is so high, I can't get over him. He's so wide, I can't get around him. He's so deep that I cannot get under him. The God that I serve, as I study his word, I, it's like looking through stained glass. I see shadows, I see shapes, I have clarity, then it's gone. It's like Paul the apostle said, this side of eternity, I see in part and I know in part. Why? Because I'm limited. I, I, I've got limitations. I, I, I was born into this world. From dust I came and the dust I'll return. So what's your basis for authority, for your belief? What do you rely on? Everybody has a standard. Everybody has something in which they evaluate their life on. Everybody has something. Basically, you have two options. You you can say, well, I believe the word of God. Or you can say, I don't. And if you don't, then what do you believe? Well, you have some basically opinion but let me help you understand this, in this world that's washed with gray. There is God, the Almighty, and there's Satan. I didn't write the book, folks. That's very uncomfortable for us to think. Well, aren't there some things that really aren't God? And really? No, there's, you know, I mean, come on. If you're a kid of the 80s, there's Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. There's not a third person. It doesn't make for a good plot. That's a joke, but the reality is true. There is God. And he's not equal with Satan. Why? Because Satan's a created being, and God created everything, including Satan. I don't have time to go into that, please. I'm going to run out of time as it is. So they're not equal with each other, but they're two powers that exist. So you either say, I believe in God, and your other option is? See, man's opinion changes all the time. It's what you have to be careful of. The average lifespan of a science textbook in high school or college right now is 18 months because they're having to rewrite it so quickly because we're discovering what we thought two years ago was correct is no longer correct. I'm not against science. I think science I think science actually proves the Bible. I think we should be very educated people. And then up to the 1950s, doctors actually recommended smoking cigarettes. Did you know that? I didn't know this. I heard that. I researched it right now in New York. You can go to a museum in New York and they actually have it on display and they actually would recommend, hey, I'm, I'm, I promote Lucky Stripes. Oh, I'm, I'm more of a Marlboro guy. I mean, that's what they did. That They thought it was part of good health. And today we laugh at that and go, no, it's a carcinogen that will kill you. You don't want to put your faith in something that might eventually get you to the top of the ladder only to find that the ladder that you're climbing is on the wrong wall. I'm just telling you, Absolute truth can be found if you're truly serious about finding it. And I believe it's in this book. Secondly, if truth is absolute, then it must be acted upon. It's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to own it. And to own it, you've got to act upon it. Let's go back to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 31. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Notice Jesus did not say, you will know the truth so that you can hold on to my teachings and obey them. No, he said, hold on to my teachings, God's word. Then you'll know the truth. You believe this, then you'll know the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. Again, it's your choice. Is he lunatic, liar, or Lord? That's your decision. But that's what he says. And when truth comes, and with truth comes responsibility to act, and there's an accountability for that action, you and I are accountable for the truth that we know. And if what I'm saying is true, then we're also held accountable to God for it. You on what you do with it, me on how I present it. Next, if truth is absolute, then anything untrue must be rejected. We have a hard time with this. If you know the truth, then the falsehood must be rejected. Here's where a person has to recognize that some things are true and other things are not. Let's go back to what Jesus said. Just work with me. Some of you may think he's a liar. Others may think he's crazy. Let's just, let's just say for, let's just for the sake of conversation, say he's really God. I know that's a stretch. Just work with me. Jesus says, I am the way. Exclusive. The truth, exclusive, the life, period. It's a declarative statement. It's not interrogative. It's not, it's, not, it's not parenthetical. It is a declarative statement. Next statement, no one comes to the Father except through me, period. Not interrogative. It's a completely declarative statement. So when Jesus makes that statement, you get to decide if Jesus is telling the truth. You decide, is he lying or is he telling the truth? If he's lying, then you have to reject it. No, I don't. Oh yeah, you do. You're going to do one or the other. If he's telling the truth, then you've got to do something with it, act on it. But you can't just let it hang out there in space because you're responsible for it because you now know it. Is he a lunatic, liar, Lord? If you believe that Jesus is telling the truth, then you must reject the teachings that say all paths lead to God. Since Jesus claims to be the exclusive path. Ooh, let's rewind that one, girl. If you believe that Jesus is telling the truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, you must reject all teachings that say that all paths lead to God. You have to only embrace that Jesus is the only way. You cannot believe that Jesus is the only, you cannot believe that Jesus is the only way, and still believe that a Buddhist or a Muslim is going to go to heaven. I'm 42 years old, and the fact that that statement right there causes some of you to really think is amazing to me. Well, Aaron, man, I just I don't want to send anybody to hell. You're not. It's our sins that condemn us. God himself doesn't want us to go to hell. That's why John three sixteen for God so loved you and I that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world, verse 17, to condemn the world. God doesn't come to condemn you. He's not some cosmic killjoy in the heavenlies. He didn't send a son to condemn the world, but that through Jesus, the world might be saved. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, if you believe that what he said is true, if you believe this book hey, don't even believe the book, just believe what he says then you have to acknowledge that you have the exclusive truth not that you're better than someone else, not that you're superior to someone else, not that you walk around with your swagger on like you're better than someone else, but that you have to come to the place where you go, this is what he said. And as uncomfortable as it is, as politically incorrect as it is, as pushing against the world in which it does, if I truly believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I cannot believe then that there are other ways to God. Well, Aaron, what about The Buddhist that grows grows up in Thailand or the Muslim in Northern Africa or the Western European that grows up in an agnostic atheistic family. So glad you asked that. Are they going to hell? The Bible says it this way. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, Paul says that we are without excuse that God has made himself known and revealed himself to mankind through the creation of the world in which we exist, that we can know that there is a God and that there is a way to him. And here's the reality. The reason why we don't do that is because Paul says in verse 23, that we suppress the truth of God in our own wickedness. That's why we do missions. Listen, if ignorance will save you, why are we telling people that there's a way to heaven? Just let them die in their ignorance. If ignorance will save humanity, why in the world do we spend money and millions of dollars to be able to tell people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life? If ignorance saves people, let's shut the church down. Let's all go silent. But it doesn't. Is that fair? No but fairness it in the garden, didn't it? Life is not fair. So what do we do about it? Well, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, you leverage everything you have, every dollar, every cent, every hour to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel because you realize that God did not come for steeples and stained glass. He didn't come for Sunday morning country club Christians. He came for lost people. Amen. He got himself a double espresso this morning. I did. If absolute truth exists, it can be found. It must be acted upon. You must not reject whatever you must reject whatever is not the truth. Here's how I want to end today. I want to challenge you today. Whether you're a vehement Christ Father for, passionate love of Jesus, or whether you go, man, Aaron, I, you know, I got more questions now than I did before you began. That's great. Do you understand that questions don't wig God out? What did Jesus do when he's dying on the cross? He yells out to God, "My Father, why have you forsaken?" me God's never off put by our questions here's what I'm asking you to do wherever you are Christ follower passionate Christ follower not a Christ follower wherever you are I'm asking you to do three things first of all commit yourself to seeking the truth commit yourself man I'm in love with Jesus man I believe the book You you better know the book don't just check your brains out the door. Don't just expect life, kids, and student life to raise your kids in fear and admonition of God. That's your responsibility. You better know the book. You're responsible for the book. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4 says, There's going to come a time where people won't listen to truth but will go around looking for teachers who tell them just what they want to hear. And they won't listen to what the Bible says, but they will blindly follow their own misguided ideas. You better know what you believe and why you believe it. And if you're not a Christ follower, man, I'm just asking you to commit to seeking this out. Get a Bible for yourself. Have conversations. It's okay. It's a journey. Secondly, I ask you to commit yourself to living the truth. Commit to living the truth. This is harder to do because truth is not something that you know. It's something that you do. And we've just talked about this in the context of the world in which we live in. I made some very politically incorrect statements. Because I'm just going to help you with something. This book is not politically correct at all. And I know there are secular theologians that try to revise it and say, well, God didn't mean that about homosexuals. God didn't really mean that about he's the only way. God didn't really mean that about, well, bro, I'd be real careful playing the God card. I'd be real careful with taking the editorial privilege of this book. Last time I read it, the Bible says that the curse is a man who tries to add to or take away. If you don't believe in it, it's just a, just a literature. It's just a book. It could be a doorstop, dust cover. But if you believe in it, then you got to accept it. And can I just help you with this? I'm a pastor, 42 years of age, degreed in theology, and there are parts of this book I don't like. There are things that if I could change, I'd just take a a pair of scissors to it, and just go, I don't really, you know? The part about gluttony, like not eating too much, I don't like that part. It's in there. Because I like to judge people from the place of my strength, not my weakness. See, if I'm fit and I run a marathon, I like to look at you people that don't run, like me, and say, "What's wrong? What's your problem?" But if I'm struggling, being the couch potato, I don't judge anybody about being a couch potato. Matter of fact, I'll defend it. But the Bible says this book pierces through my flesh, to my bone, all the way to the marrow. Ephesians 4, 14, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because somebody has told us something different or cleverly lied to us to make the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, loving truly, and so becoming more and more in every way like Christ. And the last thing, is to commit yourself to believing the truth. Jesus calls us, and we're gonna talk about this next weekend, when he says to eat my flesh and to drink my blood. What does he mean by that? Are we vampires? I mean, what, what is the deal with that? Jesus calls us to choose to believe him at the expense of everything. Everything. Ed Steitzer, who's a great Southern Baptist uh, statistician, just released an article this past week. I just got it. I read it yesterday. And Steitzer said that what's happening in America today is going to shake the church at its core. And on the other side of it, we're going to be more robust than we've ever been. But there will be many of you that will walk out and leave the church. Why? Because of teaching like today. Why? Because we just can't stomach that everything in this book is true. Why? Because it doesn't feel comfortable to us. Jesus is no longer just an upgrade like power windows or heated seats. To follow him means I have to leave everything behind and follow him. Listen. It means if you're a high school student or a junior high student, you're not gonna listen to everything everybody else listens to. You're not gonna go where everybody else goes. You're not gonna dress the way everybody else dresses. You've got to make a decision because the Bible says that you're a peculiar people. You're a royal priesthood called by God. My God, what's wrong with us today? Woo! I'm about to preach. No, 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 no. I don't need claps. I'm out of time. I don't need any clap. We need to take away my time. I'm just saying. When did we ever think this was comfortable? Where did we ever think that this is? He says, unless you walk away from everything and follow me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Maybe in just a minute, you need to repent, some of you that are Christ followers. And say, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. Commit yourself to believing the truth that Jesus is the way. All other roads lead in the wrong direction, only he leads to the right way. That Jesus is the truth. Absolutely. Without question, unequivocally. He doesn't waver or change. And that he is life. I know today's message is heavy. I preached it and lived it three times. I might have to take like a, a Xanax or something when I get done with this, just to lift myself up. But it's truth, guys. It's pretty exclusive for Jesus to say what he said in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that if anyone would believe on him, not anybody else, but on Jesus, they would be saved. You decide. Is Jesus telling the truth? You decide. Is Jesus the truth? You decide. Do all roads lead to God? And if you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then put your faith in him and renounce all others. I remind you what Lewis said. He is either Lord, lunatic, or liar. You decide. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that I sent in this room. I thank you, God, for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy that I'm so not worthy of. And I just pray, God, speak to our hearts because your word says unless we are drawn by you, men and women, do not come to repentance. We don't come to know you, but through the person of the Holy Spirit, we're introduced to you. In Jesus' name, amen.